Good afternoon, Jack. Good afternoon. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. It's Friday. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is humid. Yeah. And uh, it, it's not only humid outside, but the uh, I would say our we have a lot of very heavy, damp <laughs> things to talk about on the show today. So I, 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 to me, the whole week can be summed up like this. Um, early in this week, the focus was on Elon Musk buying Twitter. And you probably got tired of hearing about that. I know I did. But, I mean, it is a hugely significant thing. Because if Twitter is not censoring conservatives, and if Twitter is not uh, artificially um, throttling the national conversation, as it were, and as I said earlier in the week, even if you don't use Twitter, I can assure you, Twitter uses you. Twitter is affecting the news you receive from wherever you receive it, the things that trend on whatever platforms or social media you go to, or even if you just, e- e- frankly, even if you're just watching the local news on Ken's 5, I'm telling you, every newsroom in America is affected, influenced, in some cases too much so, by what trends on Twitter. So early in the week, we get this sea change over there at Twitter. And then yesterday we find out about this new Ministry of Truth that the Biden administration wants to set up in the Department of Homeland Security. And by the way, the spin on it today is, it's not even our idea. This was an idea during Trump's DHS. Okay, all right. If If you believe that Donald Trump, still president today, would have launched the uh, disinformation governance board. You can believe that. I'm prepared to talk about that. But I think these are obviously related, don't you? So what we're looking at right now are the people running the country and being very desperate. You don't need me to tell you. You don't need the polls to tell you. The people that are in charge are desperate people every indicator is they are about to be uh dislodged deprived dismissed and mass and that makes you and i scary to them and that makes the the free exchange of ideas scary to them because how are they going to control this country if we can talk about and explore issues and ideas, if we can look behind official numbers and claims. And so we need the Disinformation Governance Board. Now, I think it's interesting, and I thought about this overnight, I I didn't say this yesterday, I think it's interesting that the Disinformation Governance Board is going to be part of the Department of Homeland Security. Because if you think about it, we used to hear, and this was true during the Trump administration and earlier in the Biden administration, we used to hear that disinformation was a, was a product of opposition countries like China and Russia, right? That they were, and, and Iran and North Korea, that they were feeding and ferreting in disinformation. So why wouldn't you put the disinformation uh, enforcement people in the Department of Defense or the Department of State, right? Because it's coming from abroad. It's coming from foreign enemies. No, you put it in the Department of Homeland Security, 
because the Department of Homeland Security is the part of the government that can function like the Department of Defense only on U.S. soil, only against Americans, in a way that the Department of Defense cannot do. So it's very telling that it's in the Department of Homeland Security. It's very telling that Secretary Mayorkas said in his testimony this week that they were going to, quote, identify individuals who could be descending into violence. Now, I've probably sounded angry a time or two on this show. I haven't committed any acts of violence, but I guess I could be someone who is descending into violence. Do I fit the description? Do you fit the description? And once you normalize the idea that free speech is so dangerous that it needs government oversight, future generations of American will, Americans will just think that's normal. I mean, right now, you wouldn't buy meat or a pack of cigarettes or a bottle of liquor without a government seal. You, you think it is perfectly normal, in fact, essential, that there be some government between you and that product so that you're safe. I'm not arguing that there shouldn't be. I'm just saying those are things that have become normal because they're habitual and they're accepted and we've only known it this way. So the children of today might someday only know an Internet where free speech is governed by some board within the Department of Homeland Security. And they'll think it's as normal as airport security or paying an overdue fine for a library book. Now, one of the reasons this administration is even in power is because they warned you and you were scared about the dictatorial tendencies of the previous administration. We were told that that president wanted to be a dictator, that he was acting like one. But what we're seeing here today is something that you see in dictatorships, a ministry of truth, a department of propaganda. And make no mistake about it, the disinformation board won't just be looking for disinformation, it'll be producing it. Because if you know anything about disinformation, if you know how it was used, for example, during the Cold War, we didn't just knock down lies the Soviets told, we told our lies. We answered lies with lies. We And I'm not saying this to run down my own country, but you should know that in pursuit of winning the Cold War, we did propaganda too. We did lies too. And not just abroad. I don't care where you are in the political spectrum. I'm quite sure that if you've been alive for any period of time, you know that at some point, or you believe at least, at some point that your government has lied to you. If you're older, older, you might remember when the government said cigarettes give you energy and make you think more clearly, soothe your throat. If you're not quite that old, you might remember a government that told you that American soldiers were only going to South Vietnam to train the South Vietnamese army and that they wouldn't do the fighting those boys should be doing for themselves. You might remember, I'm sure you do, unless you're super young, ask your mom or dad about this one. You might remember that Saddam Hussein absolutely, positively had nuclear and other WMD. So I don't know about you, but if I'm going to question information or its veracity, I know how to go about that. I'm not going to take the word of the government. 
And even if you are willing to take the word of this government, are you willing to take the word of the next one? Like, you're okay with the Biden people. I voted for them. They seem like solid people. But what if the next president is Donald Trump again? And you have a disinformation board under Trump. Or whoever your most feared future president is or would be. Maybe it's somebody we haven't even heard of. So we're governed by people who are afraid of us. And what happened this week with Twitter has has kicked them into panic mode. There was kind of a low-grade fear before, but now there's kind of a panic. And no matter how ridiculous this idea sounds to you, you should take it seriously. Now, the sidebar to this story is that the woman they've nominated, the, the czar of disinformation, um, is obviously a clown. We talked about her yesterday, Nina Jankowitz. We're learning more about her uh, today. Um, among other things, she um, loves TikTok and has been singing Disney-themed songs about her favorite subjects in fake British accents on TikTok. Here is the new head of the board singing about disinformation. Cut number three. Bumbering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo, and we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So yes, information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs> I don't think Julie Andrews has anything to worry about. Okay, so she's clearly bonkers, but don't let that distract you, okay? She's not going to run this thing. She's never going never gonna to have the job. Uh, this will take a few days to sort itself out, but her, her nomination will be withdrawn, and that'll be the end of that. That's a distraction. The important thing is the, the existence or the proposed existence of this board, not how crazy she is. And um, we can play more from her, and we will. But, I mean, I, I, I want to be clear. I, I, I'm, I'm having fun with that part of it, but the rest of it is not fun and games uh, at all. Um, the, uh, the Disinformation Governance Board, or Ministry of Truth, uh, is exactly what your dad or grandfather or great-grandfather uh, defeated as part of the greatest generation. And now it's here. Now it's proposed for here. The other day we were talking about a lady who was interviewed as part of a survey about what the, Ameri- what the American response to Ukraine should be, and she had said something to the effect of, aren't we the kind of nation that does something about situations like the Russian barbarity in Ukraine? And we have been. She's right. Well, we are going to have to put on our big boy pants here and recognize that something like this is not reminiscent of, but is is ripped right out of the book. 
of the baddest of the bad ideas of the 20th century. So if you have a father, as I do, or a grandfather, who was in that greatest generation, uh, think about them. Think about what they did. Think about what they defeated. Because this is this is serious. I, I, I realize Nina Jankowicz doesn't seem serious. It's hard to take her seriously. But the idea is very serious. She'll, she'll be gone in a few days. This idea may not be. 210-599-5555. So what, how do you feel about this? I mean, what's your, what's your, what are your thoughts about this? I, I, I'd be curious to know if there's anybody that, for whom this has been eye-opening. Like, if you didn't vote for Biden, you may be sitting there going, I knew this would happen. But I'm wondering if there are people that did vote for Biden. I know we have them in the audience because I hear about it. I hear from them all the time who are thinking, you know, I, I didn't see this coming, or I, I, I'm, I voted for him, but I'm not okay with this. And I've even heard Democrats today on cable say, you know what, this is, they've gone too far. This is not a good idea. This is not healthy. This is worrisome. And I know one of the things they're thinking about, maybe not the only thing, is once you make this normal, once this becomes the new normal, you, you, how, do you, how do you get rid of it? Every administration then has it. It becomes a permanent function of government. Yesterday, a, uh, a man called the show and was trying to make the analogy that other countries have bills of rights or constitutions. Well, they may have those things in words, but in other countries, it's permission-based. You can talk, you can speak, you can go to church, but there's a, there's a permission basis for those things. So the government reserves the right to throttle up or throttle back on those activities. Ours is unique in that it gives you all of the power. That's what freedom of speech means. It doesn't say license for speech or permission to speak. If it had said that, it would have meant the government will decide. Jack can talk, but Bill over here cannot. It's not how it works. Part of this desperation is also to be seen, I think, in the the talk about uh, some sort of executive action from President Biden on student loans says here that the uh, White House is considering canceling up to 10000 in student loans via executive action, executive order. And this, was, uh, this came out of the meeting that the president had with Democratic members of Congress. You have to know that when the door closed on that meeting, whatever else they talked about, they talked about what a bloodbath they are facing in November. This, again, is fear. This is desperation. We've got to do something. And so as they head for what could be a historic wipeout, you can expect a lot of desperate moves, doubling down on things they've said or done before. You're going to hear a greatest hits on things like critical race theory, racism, guns, uh, you know, canceling student debt. All the things that have contributed to inflation, all the things that have been found unconstitutional are going to be doubled down on. They're not going to have some renaissance where they suddenly become moderate, they suddenly become, you know, middle-of-the-road LBJ Democrats or something. That's not going to happen. Again, they're, they're afraid. And sometimes when people are scared, they become dangerous. 210-599-5555. 
I mean, you hear a noise in the middle of the night, and you don't know what it is, and you're scared, and you grab your gun, you're, you're dangerous. 210-599-5555. Bob is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Bob, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jack. Uh, good Friday to you. Uh, I agree with you. It is scary. It's going back, it's like we have another mystery of propaganda uh, from the 30s. So it's, it has to be stopped somehow. I wonder if the fact that we don't really teach our history, uh, we don't have Americans that are as literate in our history as we used to, is what makes an idea like this even possible. I mean, if you had, if you had proposed this, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, um, you would have had people that really knew and maybe re- more people that even actually remembered Hitler. Uh, but today I'm afraid there's a lot of younger people that they've heard a little about him, but they don't really know what went on over there, you know? Well, I don't think they're actually being taught it anymore. I, I, yeah, I wonder. I mean, it, and if you don't know that history, this might just seem like, oh, well, this is a good safety feature. This will make the Internet safer, you know. You're not thinking through, well, who who is it that decides something is disinformation? Well, good talking to you, Jack. Yeah, thank you, Bob. I appreciate the call. You know, I, I would even say, if you're talking about this to your kids, and, and Bob says maybe they don't even know the history of World War II, I'm not suggesting on the... You know, the way to dinner tonight, you tell them the history of World War II. But you might just say to your your kids, if you talk to them, or a younger person with whom you talk about this, you might say, well, look, um, if it's a good idea that somebody determines what is true and not true on the Internet, who should that be? And is there somebody who you would trust to do that? Who would that be? And then when they're not doing it anymore and somebody else gets that power or is given that position, are you okay with that too? And does that mean that if the government claims something, let's use the analogy of, you know, Vietnam. If the government puts out a claim about what's happening, the Gulf of Tonkin, or uh, an assertion that we're not... Our, our our troops aren't doing any fighting; they're just training, or whatever it is. Um, and you and you're reading and hearing that that is not true; that something else is true. Do you not want the ability to traffic in that and and explore that and test that? I I, I really don't think this can survive critical thinking. My fear is that we don't do very much critical thinking, and 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 we're not training. Critical thinker, thinkers. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. How are you feeling about the Biden administration's Ministry of Truth idea? And um, as a side note, they've got this crazy lady that they want to put in charge of it. I I don't want to let my my imagination run wild, but you, you almost wonder. She's so cray cray. You almost wonder if she's meant to be a distraction. Whether she is or she isn't, I don't know, but forget about her. Don't worry about her. The point is the power itself. I don't even really think there's a way they can justify it. I mean, if somebody took them to court over this, there's, there's no, there's no way they can justify it. But don't, don't put this out of your head like, oh, it's so crazy it'll never happen. Because the last two years are proof that all kinds of crazy things can happen. And one of the things we learned from the last two years 
is that Americans are more compliant than they used to be. They um, are more European than they used to be. In, in Europe, the orientation of a person to his government is that good citizenship equals compliance, equals obedience. And not that in our country we're all outlaws, but in our country we, we believe that good citizenship should include questioning and um, not taking at face value what your government does. And we have this extra step they don't have in those societies where we, we can say, not everybody does, but we can, show me where you have the power to do X. In most societies, if the government says we're going to do something, people accept it as necessary. Well, I'm sure there's a good reason. Now, disinformation is a huge problem. It's a real thing. So if we agree on that, and I assume we do, do you think this is the the right approach, the right way to handle it? Or what would you do differently? How have Americans managed to this point without a disinformation board? I mean, how did we make it? And and don't say, well, we didn't have the Internet. We've had the Internet for decades. Twitter is not brand new. How did we make it to this point? What would we need to do? If, if the government couldn't help us, how do we deal with this information? 210-599-5555, and we're getting your thoughts about the... Uh, the DGB, as they're calling it, and John is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, John. Jack, I think uh, I think this is a good thing. I think that at the end of the day, this is the pinnacle of where our government's been heading. They told us for the last two years who was essential, when we could go out. They've literally gotten to the point where our government feels comfortable, and I'm glad they feel comfortable. Dick. I'm sorry, what? At this point, our government has gotten comfortable with dictating what is the truth. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. our government has now removed from us the need to decide for ourselves Mm -hmm. what is and is not true. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now the American people can make, can finally, this is is the line. The American Mm -hmm. people can finally decide if they Mm -hmm. want to be citizens or if they want to be dictated to. And I think it's a critically important juncture in our, in our country. I could not be happier that the Biden administration has taken us across this line. Mm-hmm. Because 2022 will now be a referendum on the type of country we will be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like your, your thinking in terms of put all, let's put all the crazy out there for everybody to see so that they know what their actual choices are that this isn't like some election where it's shades of difference or shades of gray. You know, I, th- I think you're, I think you're right about that. Um, and you actually are echoing a little bit, um, believe it or not, how George Orwell described the Ministry of Truth, which is where we get this term. He, he called it that in, in 1984. In the book, he explains that, um, people, a lot of people were relieved that there was no longer a need to think critically. The idea of critical thinking is presented in the book as exhausting and distracting 
And um, I, I have no doubt. I, I have no doubt there are, there, of course, there are people that will embrace this who will say, I was bullied on the internet. Um, I don't like, I don't like what Trump put out about ivermectin or whatever. You know, there, there are people who will see in this their, um, vindication or their, their revenge, but they're not thinking past the end of their nose because even if this looks to you like a good idea right now, you have to consider that this becomes a permanent part of government power. And you know what government programs do. They never just go away on their own, right? They live forever. So if this is the new normal, like we accept other forms of government intervention and, and inspection and regulation and licensure, we, we just assume those things are normal. Nobody bats an eyelash when... The government says, hey, you need a, a permit to drive your car in public roads or uh, you can't buy meat or dairy unless we've inspected it and put a stamp on it. Everybody says, well, of course, that's, that would be, it'd be incredibly dangerous if we didn't have those things. Okay, well, in time, that's how this will seem to people. But then every president, every person somebody else elected but you didn't vote for, will have this power. And that's what you have to remind your friends that at the moment are thinking this is a cool idea. Or maybe not cool, but like, ah, well, it may not sound great, but we really need it because stuff's crazy right now and we got to do something. Just remind them that someday somebody will be in charge of this. They will fear, even if they don't fear the current crowd. Chris is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing, Jack? Good, Chris. What do you think about all this? Oh, my gosh. It's the most absurd thing in the world. It is the denial of the concept of opinion. If you think about it, what's the government going to do? Say we scientifically decided what's misinformation and what's genuine? Most mm-hmm. things in this world are not scientific. They're opinion-based, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, when you just look at even the COVID story, look at all the things they claimed that they then reversed themselves on. And I'm not even talking about the stuff that is still out there and is controversial. Look at all the stuff that they said X at one point and then said Y at another point. How can you call either one of those things disinformation? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Someone will have to very soon after this begins file some kind of suit to get to the Supreme Court to shut it down. Because think about this, Jack. You and Sean and Trey and all these guys can be looking for jobs because the first people <laughs> to be silenced are going to be you. Think about it. It's so Don't worry about me, Chris. I'll be okay. But I, 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 appreciate your, I appreciate your concern. And listen, listen, you're not – I was thinking along the very same lines that you just cited because if you think about what's happening here, this is the Department of Homeland Security, right? Okay, so that's the branch or the the part of the government that is supposed to um, operate kind of like the military does, but on the home front, right? The military is not allowed to operate on our home soil. The DOD can't operate on our home soil. If this was a foreign uh, threat, it would be the DOD. It would be Department of State, but it's it's Department of Homeland Security. During World War II, and you can look this up, you don't have to believe me or take my word for it. 
During World War II, some of the more powerful radio stations in the United States, particularly the ones that were on um, the East and West Coasts, were directed by the government to alter their programming schedules, to alter their programming content, to alter the um, broadcast signal coverage, in other words, the, the, the places their signal reached on the map. Every station has a map with a blob on it that shows the reach of the station's transmitters. And they were told to do this because those radio stations could be used by enemy submarines or airplanes to, uh, for navigation. And they did it. And they were right to do it because that was a real threat. We had a real enemy. But he's right. There'd be nothing to stop the Department of Homeland Security from saying to the owners of this radio station, you, you employ people who are putting out disinformation. If you like that license that we give you to broadcast on the public airwaves, you need to have a talk with those dudes, and if they can't be brought into line, we might have some alternate programming for you. I, I totally believe that could happen. I don't want you to worry about me, and I'm not saying this like poor me. I mean, I never thought I'd be in this business as long as I have been. So I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about you not having access to alternative points of view. I, I, I'm worried about you not having places where you can and other people can question the narrative or the prevailing wisdom or the official word. That's all. So it, it's not personal, except to the degree that um, when it's gone, you'll miss it. You'll be poorer without it. And it isn't just it isn't just radio stations, but I mean, it, it's it's the kind it's it, it's why the United States has a whole um, kind of communications culture that is not like other countries' communications industries or cultures. I mean, there is there is some talk radio in other countries. I'm not saying there isn't. There hasn't been for very long, but there is. It isn't as influential, it isn't as robust as it is here. And a big reason for that is because speech is permission-based rather than free. So, 210-599-5555. I want to know what you think about it. And, again, if you... If you listen to the commentary today, a lot of it is about this Nina Jankowitz. I'm not going to make much of her because I really don't think she's the point. She, I mean, she's hysterical. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I, I want to have fun with this. I do. But I, I think we should concentrate on the thing behind her because she's not going to be what you'll have to worry about. She's, she's not going to be in the history books. But this, this could change history. It's not a good thing. And these uh, folks in this administration are really desperate. You know, we played you the clip yesterday of, of Biden just shutting down, just freezing up and shutting down over the word kleptocracy. Um, it's sad, but it's also worrisome. They know that he's crumbling. He, he, he's their Trojan horse, and their Trojan horse is crumbling. The world is watching him. To the world, he is the United States. To the world, he represents our capability or our preparedness right now. I know you don't want to hear that, but he does. And it's it's frightening what's happening here.
So um, with all that going on, having some yucks about Nina's TikTok would not be the thing to do, in, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think about how are you feeling about the DGB? <laughs> it's only one letter removed from KGB, right? I mean, this sounds like something we're making up. This sounds like a hypothetical thing. We're t- Oh, let's talk about this on a Friday. What if, imagine if, this is happening. And it's happening at a moment of real desperation. You know, I, I will tell you that I cannot imagine the Clinton or Obama presidencies doing this, and I'll tell you why. Not because they wouldn't have wanted to, not because there weren't people in those administrations with these impulses, but because those administrations had a certain swagger and composure to them. Don't get me wrong, I disagreed with most of what they did. But I never saw them as frightened and desperate as the Biden team is right now. They are in a bunker mentality. This is final days of Nixon stuff. This is, and this is where, where you get, this is where it gets dangerous. Okay. And I know people thought Trump was dangerous toward the end. Nixon was supposedly drunk in the final days before he resigned and they were afraid he had the nuclear suitcase and what have you. I just, I, I think these people are realizing how different life is going to be for them after the midterms and they are freaking out and rather than coming up with hey look we're not we're reasonable people we care about the same stuff you care about they are doubling down on the things that have turned people against them already this is one of those things Anne is on 550 and 1071 ktsa and good afternoon Good afternoon, Jack. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, I'm just wondering what would happen if this, the Trump administration had proposed this. We've been talking a really different story. Um, oh, yeah. Also, well, tell me how you think it would be different. How would, they, how would it be, I, oh how would gosh, people be receiving be flipping, it? They would be flipping out. Oh, he's so dangerous. He's trying to control what you think and mm-hmm. what you see and mm-hmm. what you read. Also, if Elon Musk hadn't purchased Twitter, would we be having this discussion? No. I think that terrifies no, I think- him. I think you're um, right. I think those are connected. Friday, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired. And got a lot going on. As far as the election goes, I have three daughters who are college age. One's 27, one's 24, one's 21. I know they all voted for Biden. I mean, yeah. And so I'm hoping that they are waking up and saying, "Mom and Dad probably were right." Yeah, this guy's kind mm. of cray cray. His whole administration's kind of crazy. So the, yeah, they may not say Mom and Dad were right. You're probably asking for too much there, <laughs> Ann. Just yeah, as long as they change the way they vote, right? Absolutely. And I also think that, that 1984 and Brave New World and Animal Farm should be required reading in every middle school classroom. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I hope people oh, pick them up. Absolutely. Thank you, Ann. You have a good weekend. Well, good Thanks job. for the call. Um, uh, yeah, the, the one thing you'll never hear from your kids is mom and dad were right. Let's, let's, we, let's not get crazy here now. Uh, Alan is on the radio. Alan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. I just wanted to make a comment that uh, you know, when it comes to this disinformation czar, you know, in general, it's a pretty scary thing, but it's kind of what the Democrats have kind of been doing underneath their breath the whole time. And my concern is with the Democrats, 
what they're doing is kind of what I expect them to do. Like, you know, when it comes to this or the border or, you know, CRT or whatever it may be, my concern is, as a conservative, I just feel like, you know, we're in a representative uh, government, and I don't see who's representing us anymore. No. Um, that's, that's, that's my biggest concern. You know, like, like Kevin McCarthy, the stuff that's come out on him, um, like as far as I'm concerned, you know, he's, he's almost to the point where he's another Liz Cheney or he might as well be on the January 6th commission by himself. But, but I just don't know who we have that's standing up to stop this stuff. And I hear, you know, when it, when it, whether it's this or the border, you know, I hear uh, Republicans saying, you know, they're going down to the border once a month and they're, they're, they're having a press conference or they, they pull the, the director of Homeland Security into a meeting and they chastise him. I just don't know what they're doing about any of it. And that's, that's what really scares me. Great point. I'm with you on that. They better, they better wake up and they better show us that they are capable of a lot more than they've shown us these last uh, two years. They've been, a, they've been a lousy opposition party. I appreciate it, Alan. Thank you. So, uh, do you remember Robert Reich? Robert Reich was the labor secretary in the Clinton administration, and he's still out there circulating, talking about uh, stuff. He's a Democratic uh, Party surrogate, I guess you would say. So he uh, tweeted out, and last night was the NFL draft. Okay. By the way, great pick for the Cowboys. They did really well. Um, he tweeted out, let me get this straight. Conservatives love free speech for Elon Musk, but hate free speech for Colin Kaepernick. Uh, well, you you didn't get it straight, Shorty. You didn't. That's not that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not that's not. Apparently, you don't grasp free speech because Colin Kaepernick. Don't you get tired of explaining this? Colin Kaepernick has free speech. He just doesn't have a roster spot on an NFL team. But everything he has said and done, he was free to do. He is not, however, free from the consequences of doing it. None of us are. When you have free speech, you can still face the consequences. It's not free of consequences. It's free of the government preventing you from saying it. Well, until until now. Colin Kaepernick was an employee of the NFL and the San Francisco 49ers. And employers can tell employees what they can do when they're in the uniform or on the clock or under contract. It happens all the time. Elon Musk is not an employee. He is an employer. So he doesn't have any more freedom of speech than Colin Kaepernick, but he also doesn't have an employer who can levy consequences on his free speech. But the idea that Colin Kaepernick, because he doesn't have an NFL job, also is somehow not free is really laughable. I mean, the guy has Netflix specials. He is the icon of an entire movement. Uh, There are people in other countries that would love to have a fraction, a scintilla of the speech that Colin Kaepernick enjoys. And um, he can, to this day, even now, say anything he wants, any time he wants. And so can Elon Musk. Elon Musk has chosen to put his efforts, labors, creativity, money into one thing. Colin Kaepernick has chosen something else. 
Robert Reich doesn't understand football or free speech. So there was more bad economic news today. I don't know if you heard, heard it or not. The, the Dow Jones was down almost 1,000 points again. Uh, the NASDAQ had a terrible day. To put this in perspective, we're now ending the month of April, right? Tomorrow's last day of April. We've only had, in the last 50 years, four months, four months out of the last 50 years, as bad as April 2022. Only three other times. And the only reason we have 49 years of data is because this particular data has only been kept for 49 years. A month where the S&P 500... Uh, returns fall below minus 5%. U.S. Treasuries fall below minus 2%. And that's where we are in April of 2022. The problem here is inflation. It's not COVID. This is not the COVID economy anymore. This is an inflation-afflicted economy. And inflation was not unleashed by Putin. Don't get me wrong. If Putin could do to this country what we've done to it, he would. But he didn't. It wasn't done by the evil oil companies. It was done by the Fed running off trillions of dollars in new paper money. And by a president and an administration that is promising to do even more of that. The market is pricing in what it expects will be a lot more uh, printing of money, flooding of the market, devaluing of currency. And so we are now in what they call stagflation, and we are now potentially facing something worse than the Great Recession of 2008. And the Great Recession of 2008, if you think about it, is the formative experience that young people have. It's why we had Occupy Wall Street. It's why the, it's why Obama was elected. It's why the Democratic Party started racing to the left. It, it explains the rise of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Not that they weren't around before, but their, their, uh, their gospel, their following, is based on the disillusionment people have, especially younger people, with banks and with capitalism from 2008 forward. It never recovered from that for young people. Now we're about to have an event in our economy that will be more transformative than 2008. And one of the great things about our country is that even when we have leaders who don't know what the hell they're doing or are making bad decisions... We have a never-ending review process. It's called free speech. It's the marketplace of free speech. We are, we're talking, we're arguing, we're having it at the dinner table, we're having it at work, we're having it in the break room, we're having it in the school cafeteria, we're having it in the car, we're having it on radio, television, internet, you name it. And um, it, in, in essence, means that we don't just review our politicians quadrennially in an election. We're reviewing them all the time. We're constantly taking the temperature of our country. We're constantly deliberating its direction. And that's why this DGB idea is a potent idea.
Because if you can throttle back, if you can retard, if you can dampen, if you can intimidate criticism, critical thinking, what-if thinking, hey, why don't we do this instead of that? You make life a lot more comfortable for people in power. By the way, not only people in government, but people in any powerful place in our society. Because think about it, it's not just the government that we second-guess and question and criticize, right? We we question corporate America, we question you know the 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 grand poobahs of academia, right? Anybody that's a culture or opinion leader. So when I was in journalism school, one of the sayings, one of the mantras was uh, make the comfortable uncomfortable. That's what a journalist is supposed to do. He's supposed to, or she, is supposed to kind of muck rake and look under stones and poke and push and prod and ask uh, you know, uncomfortable questions and follow up if you don't get an answer and, you know, hide in the bushes and see if you can, you know, find the truth. You're supposed to afflict the comfortable, afflict the powerful. And uh, if there's a way to reduce that, everybody who's in a position of power is going to be all for it. So if you think this is all of us against Joe Biden or all of us against the Democratic Party, I think it's even more complicated uh, than that. That's one of the things we've been talking about today, besides the economy, is this uh, idea of policing the Internet and policing disinformation. 210-599-5555. It is interesting and kind of audacious that the federal government would set itself up as the, uh, the guardian against disinformation. We were talking the other day about how the government has a multiple-decade history of lying about drugs. I'm talking about narcotics. The whole war on drugs came out of really egregious, racist propaganda that our own federal government started putting out after World War I about marijuana and cocaine and things like that. But they even did it with cigarettes. I think we've all heard, no matter how old or young you are, you probably have heard or seen some of the more laughable examples of cigarette advertising back in the heyday of celebrities endorsing their favorite brand and cigarettes being sponsors of television shows and even the news. Um, But the government and the tobacco industry were arm-in-arm on this for decades. Not only were they not telling people that cigarettes were unhealthy and addictive, they were making claims that cigarette smoking was itself healthy. I mean, you better get on these ciggies if you're not on them now. What's the matter with you? And that's why the tobacco industry was so up in arms when in the 80s and 90s these lawsuits started because their point was, hey, you you guys were with us. And, and now all of a sudden you've, you've the, the culture has changed, the popular opinion has changed, and you people in government, you politicians have switched to the other side. Well, that's what politicians do. They're two-faced. But that was a lie the government told. And, of course, I don't know if there's ever been a war in our history. I was thinking about this today. I, I may be wrong. I don't know if there's ever been a war in our history that at some point, either to get us into it 
while we were in it, the government, our federal government, didn't lie. Do you think there's ever been a war about which we never told a lie? Or what we would now call disinformation? So why would you turn to the people that have this proven track record as the people that are going to protect you from disinformation? And the government knows it's good at disinformation. The government even brags about how good it is at disinformation because the whole history of the Cold War was about how we matched the disinformation efforts of the Soviets. I had a professor when I went to college who had defected from the um, Bulgarian version of the KGB. So his job, when he worked for the communists, he was an actual agent. His job was disinformation. He taught a course in disinformation. And what he told us was how they did it and how we did it. Now, how we were doing it was seen as different. We were doing it for good reasons, the right reasons. And that may have been true. But the point is, we knew how to do it. We still do. In fact, we're probably better at it than we've ever been. And they didn't have the Internet. If they wanted to spread a lie in the 1940s or 50s or 60s, it was laborious. You had to carry that lie by hand, right? Today, you don't have to do that. You can lie from anywhere to anywhere about anything and reach exponentially greater numbers of people. In fact, they couldn't have dreamed of the power each of us has to spread an idea today. But by all means, let's put the government in charge of protecting us from disinformation, right? Yesterday, we heard from Republican Texas House candidate Elisa Chan about her runoff race with our next guest. He's the other Republican in that race. And since that uh, district votes overwhelmingly Republican, most likely the winner of this runoff will be the next state rep succeeding Lyle Larson in the Texas House. And today it's candidate Mark DeRazio. He's on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Mr. DeRazio, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on with us. Well, Mr. Ricardi, I want to thank you for having me come on the show today. I appreciate that. Correct me if I have this wrong, but the ad that is currently running uh, where the uh, uh, the story or the theme is that Elisa Chan has given political contributions to Hillary Clinton and Roland Gutierrez and is not a true conservative. As I understand it, that ad has been run by a PAC. That isn't directly coming from your campaign, right? Yeah, that that's correct. That advertisement you're referring to is not from my campaign. It is a third-party ad. You know, and if you'd like to know more about that ad, well, I'm sure they I'm sure they'd love to speak with you about it. Oh yes, they've they've, they've contacted about me about it. But I, I wanted to ask you, since it's not from your campaign, um, what do you think? How do you feel about it? How do I feel about that ad? Well, yeah. I mean, it's obviously you're the beneficiary of it. If if it disturbs people that she gave money to to Hillary Clinton, or it question it calls into question her uh, conservatism. Um, is that a, do you believe that's a fair uh, issue in this race? Well, if we're going with the, the conservative, the conservative I, I've, been, I've been involved in the Republican Party and for the conservative issues for 37 years. And I've run a successful business for 39 years. And, um, and you know, I've, I've never needed to, uh, you know, to sell my principal short and donate to Democrats on, in order to make my business successful. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then as far as far as as far as that ad goes, um uh they You're not disavowing it. You're saying that you, you support the, the, the message of it or the sentiment of it. Do I, I support the message of it or sent them that means I would support the ad. And I, I uh you know, I support what, what I am, what I what my values are, what my principles are. And again, that's a third party ad. And you know, I would I would want you to go ahead and talk to those folks about it and, and okay. what they're So you take you don't take a position one way or the other on that ad? No. Okay. Now would it be uh safe to say that there probably are voters who have voted for Democrats in the past, given everything that's happened in this country the last two years, wouldn't you think there probably are a lot of people that are going to vote for a Republican either for the first time or the first time in a long time? Could you ask that question again, please? Okay. Um, Given everything that's happened over the last two years, wouldn't you think there are a lot of voters this year who will be voting for a Republican for the first time or the first time in a long time? Uh, they, the voters are seeing exactly what's going on in our country. They're, they're more, as I walked door to door and spoke with them, they are more engaged now than they ever have been. They're concerned about where, our, where we're going. They're seeing the inflation hit them. They're mm-hmm. seeing the, the uh, rise in uh, grocery bills. Uh, the rise in utilities, and then they're seeing a lot of the stuff that's coming out with the schools. Uh, you know, one of the things that COVID brought out was, you know, when the parents were home working with their children, uh, you know, they saw a lot of that come out. So they're definitely, mm. they're, the mm. voters are definitely concerned about what's mm. going on. So it's safe to say there could be there could be people freedom. that would vote for you who voted for Democrats in the past, but now are realizing these policies are not good for me. I would I would say that yeah they are realizing the policies aren't good for you and and the policies that we've been promoting in the Republican Party for the past thirty seven years are starting to see them and they're starting to see the difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party mm-hmm. and um, and they're and that's been said to me uh, you know several mm-hmm. times they're they're seeing a difference and they want they want what's good for America and what's good for their families. So then you'd want to be careful, right? I'm I'm thinking, I've never run, but I'm imagining you'd want to be careful not to send the message that if you had in the past voted for Democrats or donated to Democrats, we, uh, the Mark DeRazio campaign, are not interested in you. Hello? Yes. I, okay, could you say that? I apologize, Mr. Riccardi. Could you say that with a, one more time? Are, are you having trouble hearing me, or am I? I, am I, guess, I... I there's some ring in here right now. Okay. Let me let me try. Something what, here. Would you would you say that you need to be careful not to send the message that if a voter has in the past voted for or donated to a Democrat? that you, Mark DeRazio, are not interested in them now? No, that is not correct. Because the voters who would vote for me would be voting for my conservative principles and my conservative values. And we have, all, and we have what we stand for on our websites. And everybody is free, we, everybody's free to go there and, and they see exactly where we stand. 
we've had that question asked to us numerous times, and uh, we refer them to the website. We get calls back, and we say, Mr. Drazer, we want to we support you. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's based on what we stand for, our principles, our values, our community, and, um, you know, and, and the issues that we're going to have to face, what we're going to have to deal with when we, when we go to Austin. Okay. Uh, Mr. DeRazio, I appreciate your time with us. I hope we speak again, and maybe we'll have a better connection, a better phone uh, hookup the next time. But thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Okay. These two interviews with Elisa Chan and Mark DeRazio, I'm exhausted. I, I think I need to go lay down. What is the what is the deal here? <laughs> All right, I I'm not endorsing a candidate, thank God. Um, but what 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 is the problem here? So one candidate, and again, you probably could have gone your whole life without knowing this, but it turns out one candidate was was uh, giving Hillary Clinton money. And the other candidate, I don't know what that was, that interview. I, I, I don't understand what was going on there. We had a very hard time getting him, but and maybe it was a bad phone connection. I felt like um, he just did not want to answer those questions. And um, I think I had to repeat every one of them, didn't I? They were not hard questions. And really, I'm just trying to elicit from both of them some, you know, kind of wh- where are you at? There's this... There's this ad that isn't from either campaign, and they have every right to run it. It's an interest group, but um, just 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 talk to me about it. You know, Lisa Chan, just to own it. Mark Duracio, just you know, where are you where are you at on this? I don't know. You heard it. What did you think? Two ten five nine nine fifty five. 55. You know what I really don't understand? I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining here. I've got a good life. I love what I do. I really do not understand why conservatives and conservative Republicans have such a hard time coming on talk radio. Do you not realize what a gift talk radio is to you? Do you not realize what you are able to do, how efficiently you are able to reach your voters? You know, they'll, they'll, Go talk to the Express News. They'll go, they'll go anywhere else, but talk radio, a live talk radio interview. Oh my God. It's not hard. It's not difficult. These are your people. So, I don't know. 210 599 5555. If you missed the interview yesterday, Elisa Chan said that yes, she, in 2006, I think she said, she gave a check to Hillary Clinton's political campaign, which probably would have been her Senate campaign. She said she did it because a friend of hers asked her to do it. She wasn't in New York. She had no connection to that, but she, she wrote a check. Somebody found that in the public records. This group called Defending Texas Liberty made a pack ad out of it. It's running extensively. I see it a lot on cable television. And uh, it's not from Derezio's campaign, but obviously Mark DeRazio is the beneficiary of it. If people see it and go, oh my gosh, look at her with standing there with Hillary Clinton. I don't want her. So he, he would benefit. So I just wanted to ask him about that. That was all. Just And the two of them, I don't know. <laughs> there were, I think, five candidates in that race at one time. These are the, the two left standing. 210-599-5555. We've been talking about the Disinformation Governance Board, 
We've been talking about the economy. We've been talking about, um, oh, did you see the story today where the um, FDA, they've been talking about doing this for a long time, and it looks like now they're going to do it. The FDA wants to eventually outlaw menthol cigarettes. There's two rationales to this. One is that flavored tobacco products appeal to young people. But the other is that it turns out 80% of menthol cigarette smoking is African Americans. So 80% of the menthol cigarette market is African Americans. So menthol cigarettes, marketing menthol cigarettes, the government says is kind of racist. But wouldn't banning the cigarettes that black people smoke really be what's racist? Like, if if you're a black smoker, couldn't you say, well, why are you banning the ones I smoke, but the ones that white people smoke, you're not as interested in? I mean, I'm sure they like to ban them all, but it seems like a very weird approach. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, there's always these uh, guilt-riddled white liberals that are always trying to virtue signal on race. You know what I mean? Remember, like, when Pelosi and Schumer... Uh, were, were doing all the thing where they were kneeling and they were doing all that stuff. I, I could imagine where maybe white liberals will start uh, smoking menthol cigarettes in solitary. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but maybe they'll say, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna light them up in support of black smokers." How dare you single them out? But that's what the FDA is doing. So if you're into menthol cigarettes, uh, their days may be numbered. Uh, 210-599-5555. Talking about that as well in these interviews. And Joe is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Joe, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. How's it going? It's going. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. It's finally good to talk to you. I've been, uh, trying to get a hold of you to, to talk, uh, enter a comment on some of these, uh, these candidates here. Um, the second candidate, I didn't quite hear, the first one, but the second candidate was kind of another run-of-the-mill conservative politician just trying to say what he needs to say in order to get where he wants to get. Um, he generally talked about his values, his, you know, uh, what kind of values? I mean, what kind of principles? Refer to the mm-hmm. website? Well, what what does your mm-hmm. website say? So, you know, I mean, if he could have been more specific but again, it's 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 just there's no there's no fight in his voice. We don't hear conservatives bring up bring on some sort of you know let's let's go get them you know. If if you if you're a conservative right now, given everything that's going on, and you're not on fire, <laughs> you're never going to be. I mean, I, I agree with you. If, if right now Absolutely. you're not like running in ten different directions. You're, you're probably not the you're probably not the guy or gal we're looking for, Joe. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I, I I'm not hearing it, and, and I have to say I'm not hearing it from a lot of people, not just these two. I, I, a lot of them don't. They they say things like they cite the number of years they've been a Republican. You're not a bank. <laughs> you're you're a candidate. I don't care how long you've been a Republican or how long you've been alive or. How long you've been married to your spouse? Those are irrelevant points. 
Banks talk about, we've been here, you know, we've been serving the community for 67 years. That's important with a bank. That's really not important with a candidate. And a lot of voters are in in flux. They are moving. They're changing their party uh, identity, or at least changing which party they vote for. There's tons of Hispanic and African-American voters who are going to vote for Republicans. Now, they're not becoming Republicans, but they're going to vote for a Republican to either send a message to the Democrats or out of other frustrations, and you got to have something for them. And this is a great place, this is a great forum, I'm not just saying that to pat myself on the back, but this is a great forum to get that out and show us that you've got the passion and and the energy. Uh, Joe is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Joe. Hey, Jack, how you doing? Hey, uh, you were you were too generous and too kind with the guy. He he heard you fine. I, I I have to say that there was nothing wrong with the connection. He heard you fine, but he would make a good politician, but not a good public servant. He didn't answer your questions. He avoided your questions at every opportunity, and you know he just he sounded just like what we've been having. And you you told him people are tired of what we've been having. Uh, what would you say to them? And he didn't say, I want you. Yes, vote for me for this reason or that reason. So, Jack, you were you were more than generous with him. I think uh, he had no trouble understanding you. I think he um, didn't own what what mm. you were asking. So yeah. that's all I have to say. Th- thank you, Joe. I, I, actually, I feel like um, he had a very easy thing he could do here. Now, maybe this is just me. I'm just one guy. All he had to say was, uh, I'm going I'm to I'm do the interview for him now. This is all he had to say. Um, there's, there's a problem with Elisa Chan giving money to Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton has long been uh, an, an obvious um, enemy of and uh, sort of, you know, villain to conservatives, right? She, she referred to the vast right-wing conspiracy. She's tried to blame us for Oklahoma City and everything else. So all you had to do was say... I don't know who in their right mind would be running this year as a conservative and would have given money to Hillary Clinton. Meanwhile, then you say, but of course anyone who's ever voted for the Democrats, who voted for Hillary, who voted for Joe Biden, who voted for Barack Obama, who voted for Wendy Davis, who we welcome you. We get that you can't take any more of this. You can't handle any more of this. You've been broken by COVID. You've been broken by inflation, you've been broken by the disinformation governance board. And so we don't care where you've been politically. What's important is where you are now, and we want you. So we're, we're, we're bringing up the point about Elisa Chan's donation because Elisa Chan did it, and she should own it. And she was not very forthcoming about it with us yesterday. But all you had to do was say, hey, no matter where you've been, we want you here now. If you've had enough, whether you've been a Republican your whole life or in the last, you know, 30 minutes, we're, we're happy to have you. And you've come to the right place. And help is on the way. And Lord knows there's no shortage of things you could talk about in terms of the next legislature in which one of these two will be serving. That's all he had to do. There, that's the interview. <laughs> Why couldn't that happen? Linda is on KTSA. Hi, Linda. Hi. Um, I did not get to hear the interview yesterday with Lisa Chen, but I heard the one just a few minutes ago with Mark DeRazio as I'm driving home. And um, 
I kind of felt like your questions for him were not as straightforward as maybe they could have been, and that's what I thought was his issue with wanting to have you repeat it. You know, there's so many questions that are asked today that need to totally be understood to get the proper answer. And I think if you would have said, you know, Mr. DeRazio, are you hoping for people who have voted Democrat in the past to vote Republican this time based on the climate in our political arena today? I think you would have got a straight answer from him. I thought that is what I asked him. Uh, not directly. It was kind of, he kind of went around the back door, I felt. And as far as Lisa Chen, I, I really commend him for not, you know, wanting to bite that little, you know, morsel and to kind of go after her in a defamatory way. I mean, you know, he's running on his own principles without having to feel like he needs to tear her down. You know, and what mm-hmm. people stand for. Well, he doesn't have to tear her down because this other group did that. But my question, my first question to him was, even though it's not your ad, is it your sentiment? Which is a legit question and straight. And then the second question was, so what if I'm a voter that did essentially what she did? I I supported Hillary Clinton, but now I want to support a Republican. Are you telling me that I'm not uh welcome or that i uh you don't want my support because the ad suggests that no real conservative no real republican would do these things and and i don't care one way or the other but i just was curious to hear what his answer would be doesn't seem like a hard question to answer maybe it maybe it is for you linda but i don't think it would be hard for him to answer no i don't think it was hard and i think he just did not want to really attack her in answering that question and i think but that wasn't that answer wouldn't be an attack on her that answer would be are people that have previously contributed to or voted for democrats uh people whose support you now want the easy answer is yes oh he said that he did say that (laughs) not in so many words he had a hard time saying it it should be very easy to say these are times, Linda, my point is, these are times when people are in flux. People are moving. You, you look at, this, at, at all the poll numbers, people are moving. They're looking for a new home. They're looking for a new answer. You've got to be open to that. You've got to be reaching out to them. Well, I think, like you said, if you look at the website, I mean, I've, I've looked. I know that Mark DeRacy okay. is very conservative. And very okay. legitimate. See, I and, and I and I respect that, and I'm not saying he isn't. But when you get on the air, you're talking to all these people that haven't seen the website. So it's a good idea to tell them who you are, and not say go look at the website. That, but Linda, look, I I understand you didn't like the questions, and I respect your opinion on this, and you think I did a bad job with it, and 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 that's okay because not everybody is going to like the kind of questions I ask, and I don't I don't ask questions in order for them to be liked. So I, I get it that you didn't like them. Uh, Brown is on KTSA. Hi, Brown. Hey, hey, Jack. How you doing? You know, I, know, uh, I totally agree with you on this guy. Um, you know, I think people kind of forgot that when he took over as chairman for the, uh, the, the former Robert Stovall, you know, the very first thing the guy did was censure Joe Strauss. I mean, that, that was Speaker of the House, the Texas Speaker of the House, doing a great job. Uh, when he took over, this guy attacked a lot of the in-house staff. I mean, even, you know, maybe, you know, public record, but he actually had some cease and desist orders for people who were working with, with uh, Robert Stovall. This guy is far right and very dangerous, I think. He he represents the, the mirror image of what we have in our, our government right now, and we need somebody that's more sensible, that's able to, you know, answer questions that you ask and actually be c- capable of, you know, compromise. I mean, you know, 
you can't just force your will on people. You have to find common ground, and I, I really don't believe he's capable of doing that. I mean, I've well, I will say, I will say, look, a, a five minute a five minute radio interview is not is not a job interview. You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't determine whether you're the right person for the job or not. Uh, but it should be easy to say, no matter how left or democratic you were. We want you. We're interested in you. And if, and if, I mean, if there's a lot of people out there that he could reach right now, but, you know, he's right. more about, you know, making the party an image that he wants and not something that's going to be right. better for, for us, you know, as, right. as a whole. I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of the guy um, because of, you know, past history that I know of him. Okay. But you know, right. the whole idea is that, you know, if you go to his website, I'm sure that, you know, you've got somebody that's doctored it up to make it sound great. But Well, I, I mean, they all do that. But, uh, they can't answer a straight yeah. question. It kind of really tells you where they're at, you know. Okay. Brown, i got to hold you. I'm up against the time wall here, but thank you. I appreciate the call. But bottom line, you know, you, you decide. I don't tell you what to do. I don't endorse the candidates. We give them both a fair shot, uh, a chance to be on the air. Um, it's a great opportunity to reach people that are very politically uh, involved, interested. I mean, you talk about likely voters. This audience are the most likely voters. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I I would say both of them whiffed uh, in making that connection, just to the way I heard it. Bees and cornbread. Bees and cornbread. Bees and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Well, here we go. Last hour of the last show of the week. It better be. <laughs> because I think I'm, uh, I think my tank is just about empty. Uh, before this hour is up, we'll have the results on the JR poll question and, more importantly, your calls to praise or zing. Elon Musk says, wow, let him have it. Okay, praise or zing. Any restaurant in and around San Antonio. That's what we do in the dish. They're not restaurant reviews. You just call in and talk about a place that's new or new to you or an old favorite. You talk about the food, the price, the service. You tell us what we should definitely order when we go, the best thing they have, or what went wrong when you went. And uh, all we ask when you call on the dish is please have the complete, correct name of the restaurant you're calling about so we know we're on the same page. Uh, 210-599-5555. Any kind of restaurant anywhere in or around San Antonio last Friday night, uh, we had a caller calling about a restaurant in Corpus. That's okay. That's probably about the furthest we'd want to go. But, you know, in and around San Antonio, any kind of food, any kind of price, your call on the dish to talk restaurants. Let's start with Terry on KTSA. Hi, Terry. Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday to you, Jack. And just think it's the last one of April of 2022. That's right. Well. Yeah. Hey, Jack, I know you get a lot of calls on this restaurant, but I'm telling you consistently, B&B Smokehouse on South Pleasant Road, just outside of military. Mm. You know, I don't know, family-owned since 1958. My wife and I, it's the only place she'll eat barbecue. We go in, we get the sampler plate. It's got five meats. We get a side of fries, a couple of beers, 35 bucks. I mean, where can you beat that? Right. And, uh... You know, and but 
uh, Bruce and Becky, the, those guys do a great job there. The staff is always friendly, glad to see you. It's always clean. But I'm telling you, the consistency of the food there is just out of this world. And uh, those guys, uh, they deserve They made it through COVID. Yeah, they're still closed on Monday. But you know what? They, they do a great job the other six days of the week. I'm with you on that. I only wish I could get there more often. I My only regret is I don't get to have it very often, but I sure do love it. What's your favorite thing to get there, would you say? Well, like I said, my wife and I, uh, we, we get the five meats, uh, or the five uh, meat sampler plate. It's got the pulled pork, it's got brisket, it's got yeah. sausage, it's got chicken, and it's got turkey. You know, it's just a little bit of everything, but she and I can't finish uh, yeah. all of the meat they give you. And that's what's good about it. Everything is, but most importantly, it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah, great sides, too. I, I love the brisket, and I love the fact that their smoked turkey is never dry. Because some places... Never dry. Yeah, it dries out. So uh, you're right on the and money. Tell you what, that, chicken, that chicken they have is awesome, too, that smoked chicken. It's uh, it's off the chart. But, yeah, their sides, the cream, the cream corn, I've had it, potato salad. I don't think there's anything bad about the place. Nope, nope. Except I'm with I you on that. go often enough. <laughs> there it is. That's the. We just need to go there more often. Terry, good That's call, right. sir. You have a good weekend and praise for B and B Smokehouse, twenty six nineteen Pleasanton Road. Tons of calls going back to two thousand five on the dish for this place, twenty six nineteen Pleasanton Road, B and B Smokehouse, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience. Maybe a new place. May just be new to you. Maybe an old favorite. Like he was saying, you know, it's just a place that, that's steady and reliable and always a place you always look forward to going. Tell us about it. 210-599-5555. Charles is on the dish on KTSA. Hello, Charles. Hello. Good evening. I'm out here in Seguin, and we eat a lot over here at a place called Las Cucas. Las Cucas? Down here off of uh, I-10 and uh, 123, and they have some of the best cheese enchiladas. The cheese enchiladas, that's your favorite thing to get there? Oh, yeah, the cheese enchilada plate, rice and beans covered in queso dip. And the plate itself is probably 12 by 12. It's a big plate of food. And then they bring you chips and dip, and you can get queso dip. My wife gets the fajita plate. Uh, it's a fat, it's a nice atmosphere. Good sweet tea if you like sweet tea, and they will just keep you filled with tea and and chips. There you go. I'm all right with that. I can do that. Los Cucos Mexican Cafe, nine twenty IH ten in Seguin, and that's our yeah, first call in the dish for that, that one. Thank you, Charles. Good job. Praise for Los Cucos Mexican Cafe in Seguin. 920 I-10. 210-599-5555. We got a call a little over a year ago um, about a place on Stone Oak Parkway at Hardy Oak called Chopsticks Cafe. Chopsticks Cafe. And I have tried it now a couple of times, and i got to say, it is really good. Um, I like Chinese food. I like having a lot of different places to get it. I like having choices and you know, different parts of town. So if you're, if you're here, you're there, you're on your way to this place from that place. Like knowing there's a good Chinese restaurant in my travels or in my path. 
And this is a good one if you happen to be in that neck of the woods. Um, it's a small place. It's a little storefront in a strip center. It doesn't look like hardly anything from the outside. I mean, the, the storefront is very narrow. But when you go in, they do have some seating, not a lot. It's, it seems like mostly a takeout place. There's a, often a, you know, a few people in line picking up takeout. But, again, you can sit down and eat there. And um, I've had the Kung Pao chicken that was really good. Um, a couple other things. Everything's always been great. Places spotlessly clean. Chopsticks Cafe. It's 19903 Stone Oak Parkway at Hardy Oak. Um, not to be confused, because I've said, I've, I mentioned it to a couple of people, and there is another place in another part of town that's, I think, called Chopsticks or maybe just It's not, it's not that place. This is the place, um, over in Stone Oak. All right, 210-599-5555, praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience on the dish, and get a vote in on the JR poll, too. Um, little crime story in the news tonight. I love this headline. This, this headline just cracks me up. See, if, see if, if you notice what I notice in this headline. Search underway for suspected thief who has very large, very hairy feet in Georgia. <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like his feet get bigger when he's in Georgia and hairier. Anyway, they're looking for a guy, and the story goes that he stole um, a child's four-wheeler from an apartment complex um earlier this week and the police are on the lookout for it it's obviously it's not a big crime wave going on there but they say they they picked up on a surveillance camera at the apartment complex he has enormous very hairy feet and claw-like toenails how are they going to find him (laughs) i mean all he has to do is put shoes and socks on and he could walk back and forth in front of the police station, right? Maybe it would have been a good idea to not put that info. I don't mean to get all CSI on you, but maybe you don't put that information out in the public. You know, you hold that back so that maybe you have a chance of catching him wearing flip-flops or sandals. But now, now you've, you've told everybody. We'll know him by his monstrous hairy feet. Uh, on social media, the suspect has been dubbed... Dumb feet. So, anyway, we'll let you know. Be on the lookout. Instead of look up, look down, right? We're talking restaurants here. This is what we do on Friday nights in our last hour. Uh, We call it The Dish. Been doing it for a long time. And it's not a restaurant review. It's just like you would, you know, just like you would tell a friend or you'd come home from work and say, oh, boy, I had a great lunch today at a great place. We'll have to go there some night. Um, it's, it's that way. You talk about it that way. You know, just a recommendation or a zing if it wasn't a good experience. Um, you can praise or zing the food or the price or the service or the atmosphere. 210-599-5555. And Jerry is on 550 and 1071 KTSA on the dish. Happy Friday, Jerry. Hey, back at you, Jack. Yeah, I was calling about uh, Beto's Alt-Mex, or Alt-Mex Rapido at the uh, intersection, more or less, of 281 northbound at about Bolverde, where it crosses there at uh, kind of the new construction area. This place has uh, only been there a little less than a year, I think, but it's their second location. Their first is down on Broadway in Alamo Heights, but I've not been to that one. Mm-hmm. It was outstanding, though. 
it's all made to order. It takes a little bit longer than the average, uh, you know, throw some, put some tamales on a plate and cover it in sauce type thing. But good, clever combination of uh, ingredients, textures, flavors. I highly recommend the nachos and the fish tacos. Hmm. That's kind of an unusual name. Beto's Alt-Mex Rapido? Yeah. Alt, I believe, is alternative Mex. Mm-hmm. And then a Rapido, like, you know, unbelievable. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah, but, so, uh, and you said it's up... Uh, would that be considered like, uh, would you be in Bulverde, or where would you be at that point? It's not quite all the way to Bulverde, but it's where okay. Bulverde Road crosses 281. Okay. Uh, kind of in that uh, horrible construction area right now. but Yeah, it is. Is it, is it kind of near that? Is it near where like that Walgreens is? Is it over near there? Yeah, actually, it's right across the street from the Walgreens, and there's a new... Uh, I think uh, Whataburger there and that kind of stuff. It's grown up fast. Okay. But it used to be a little Italian joint. It's too small to accommodate that, but uh, it's just right for quick dining mechs. Uh, it's got outdoor seating. It's real casual, very easy to get in and out. And a uh, nice little setting, though. It really is. Cool, cool. Beto's Alt Mex Rapido 26610IH2, or not IH, but uh, US 281. 26610 U.S. 281, Beto's Altmex Rapido. Uh, praise from Jerry on the dish. Thank you, Jerry. On KTSA 623 on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Got a question here from Kyle. Uh, he writes to Jack at KTSA.com. Has anyone been to Botica at the Pearl? And I had to look it up because I, I've never been to it. But we did get a call on it uh, about a year and a half ago. It's a... I guess the way it's described here, it is a an Asian Peruvian restaurant. It's interesting. Uh, Botica, B O T I K A. So he wants to know if, if anyone's been there. Can tell him yes, no, praise, zing, a little bit about the food. So if we have anybody that's been to Botica at the Pearl, uh, Asian Peruvian fusion cooking, kind of intriguing. I don't get to the pearl very much. I'm not a not a big uh, not a big pearl guy, but there are some pretty cool and unique restaurants there, from what I hear. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. As we take your calls on the dish to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience, you know that self driving cars are coming at some point, and they've just made a big decision in the UK. Uh, their um, transportation ministry has announced that when people have self-driving cars, they will be allowed to watch television on built-in screens in the cars. So, I mean, already, I don't know if you've noticed, people are looking at their infotainment screens, they're looking at their phone screens... I think there may already be people watching movies while they drive, right? I'm pretty sure I've seen that. I'm not talking about that thing in the back seat for the kids. I'm talking about the driver. But this says if you had a self-driving car, this is in the UK, if you had a self-driving car, which right now are not allowed uh, by law, but are certainly coming soon, their Department for Transport says you will be allowed to watch television 
in the car. Then it says... Drivers must be ready to take back control of vehicles when prompted. <laughs> well, I hope it's not a very interesting show. I don't know. It just doesn't sound right to me. I know I'm, I know I'm old-fashioned, and I'm probably just behind the times, but how about you either watch TV or you drive? Is that is that asking too much? I mean, they're both legit, but I don't think you can do them both. If you really are into a show... I mean, think about the show you most get into, like your favorite thing. Like I watch uh, on Amazon Prime, I watch Bosch. I've talked about this before. It's an incredible detective series. It's really well done. If you've read the books, you'll be in hog heaven. But even if you haven't read the books, it'll, it'll pull you in. You'll really like it. But when I'm, when I'm watching that, and I watch it while I'm working out, while I'm on a treadmill, I literally, I lose track of time. I don't even know my workout is over till the treadmill stops. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I'm done. Totally engrossed in that show. I should not be behind the wheel or prompted to take control uh, while I'm watching something like that. So I would think you'd be watching things you're interested in. I mean, what else would you watch? And then all of a sudden you're going to be an alert, engaged driver? Hmm? doesn't sound good. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure there were people back in the horse and buggy day who were like, these cars will be the death of us all. So maybe I'm just not getting it. 210-599-5555. Well, I'm obviously not getting it. I know that. I think it's pretty clear. I don't really understand the times we live in. I'm like, uh, remember the old Saturday Night Live character? I'm, I'm basically unfrozen caveman lawyer at this point. I, I accept that. Um, I did not know this was a thing. I feel very unprepared uh, for it. Did you know that we have something called National Hairball Awareness Day? The last Friday in April, of course. National Hairball Awareness Day. Now, I guess my question would be, unless you're a cat, what, like, what's the point of this? Or is this for cats? And then I guess I would ask, well, do cats have calendars? Do they know? Who tells them? Is your cat celebrating today? Does it seem different? Things seem different with your cat today? Seems like a special day? Well, that's why. It's National Hairball Awareness Day. That is a cat thing, right? Mostly. I, I, I guess dogs could have hairballs. I don't know. I never thought of that. Maybe we'll get an maybe we'll get the Botica answer and an answer to that. I don't know. 210-599-5555. Let's play another jingle, Don. Um See, I've never owned a cat, so I'm only tangentially aware of this, but I know that's a big thing with cats and uh, people will tell you their cat is working on one or struggling with one. It's a thing they have like that they undergo and they go through. And I suppose there's stuff you can do to minimize it. I don't know what that would be. but I'm not sure how having a day for hairballs helps, you know. Puts a, puts, a positive, puts a positive spin on hairballs, you know. They have their day. There's a day for everything, though. There really is. Uh, you don't, you know, most of the time you don't know it. You don't need to know it. But every day is the day for something. And things you would not, things you would assume are much too minute 
and uh, limited and not worth marking or celebrating, yeah, they're out there. So, If you missed it uh, this year, if you just didn't get around to celebrating it, uh, maybe it's too late now. Just remember next year, last Friday in April. Don't let it get by you, National Hairball Awareness Day. Um, ask your cat to remind you when that day comes. KTSA News Time is 6.35. This half hour, the results on the Stevens Roofing JR poll. I don't think it's going to be close. Are you in favor of the new government disinformation board? Um, we'll hear some more uh, greatest hits from Nina Jankowicz's, uh, you know, body of work as well. Because she doesn't just censor, she also sings. She's a multi-talented lady. Stephanie, though. It's calling on the dish right now, 210-599-5555. Stephanie, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jack. Love your show, longtime listener, and I always love this portion of the show. And I treated myself for my birthday to dinner at, I'm not saying this right, I don't think, Moan Shushu. It's over in the Pearl. And I ate the European way where I had the raviolis and then I had my main course and then the salad and then the dinner and it was all fabulous. Wow. What kind of uh, what kind of food is it? So it's um, French bistro and um, so the raviolis were not like normal what you would call raviolis Italian style. It mm-hmm. would be Little bitty puff pillows with the spinach pasta and a in mm. uh, a cream sauce, but it was that was so delicious. And then I had the lamb shank with the cheese polenta with the au jus, and it was light, falling off the bone. Everything was very light, considering mm. you know what you would think raviolis is going to be heavy and lamb shanks and polenta. It's going to be heavy. everything was so light. And then I had the goat cheese salad, and I uh, had the pot de creme, the chocolate pudding thing. It, it, everything was just delicious, and then the wow. service was just outstanding. It is pricey. It, it was a splurge, mm-hmm. but it was very much worth the splurge to go there, whether you're going with your spouse or just treating yourself mm-hmm. or with a group of friends, it it is a place that should be on everybody's must-try-once list. You know, I was just looking here, and it looks like they're open, the, the way the hours are listed, apparently they're open breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know they're open lunch and dinner, I don't know about yeah. breakfast, but if they're open breakfast, yeah. I'm going again. Yeah, no kidding, right? It says 7.30 to 10 a.m., and then 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So that would be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and that, that does sound really, that sounds like a really great special occasion kind of place. I'm putting you in charge of my birthday, Stephanie, because you know how to celebrate a birthday. That was awesome. 
Good for you. Well, and happy and, and happy belated birthday. birthday. Thank you. And there was another lady having a birthday dinner with her girlfriends, and then I brought bought her a glass of wine. They came over, and they were like, "Oh!" And you know, everybody was just so happy with the food, the service, the atmosphere. It is just a wonderful, wonderful place to go and relax and enjoy your life. Very cool. I'm glad you told us about it. Thank you. Thank you for the call. You have a good weekend. Praise for Brasserie Monchouchou. Brasserie Monchouchou, 312 Pearl Parkway in the Pearl Brewery. I'm going to spell that. M-O-N-C-H-O-U-C-H-O-U. So I, I guess Monchouchou. You're supposed to say you got to get you got to do that that kind of growl thing, right? Monchouchou, Macron. I don't know. Probably not right. Close enough. Two ten five nine. This man's not from France. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience. If you have a if you have like a killer French accent, you want to call in and say it for us. We'd be happy to have that. Um, no hairballs. Uh, Rodney writes to Jack at KTSA.com uh, about a place called Blackboard Barbecue in Sisterdale. Listen to this. It says, everything I've had there is excellent. It's a combination of old-world Italian, French cooking, and South Texas barbecue. What? The heck? That's quite a combination. Old-world Italian... French cooking, and South Texas barbecue. Says he likes the truffle fries and their mac and cheese and their barbecue. All right, so Blackboard Barbecue, 1123 Sisterdale Road in Sisterdale. Praise. Oh, now, wait a minute. If you want to hear some good music, if you want to hear some good music, you gotta, you got to check out the song stylings of disinformation czar Nina Jankowitz. Uh, here she is uh, going full-on Mary Poppins. She's not just warning us about disinformation. She's singing it. Cut number three. is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious. By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet so. Disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note. And not support their lies with our wallet, voice or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious. By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet so this Information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs Julie Andrew? Answer all of us. Um, but she doesn't just do Julie Andrew badly. She also does Barbara Streisand. Take a listen to cut number seven. Famous or powerful, Barbara Streisand has it all, and I can do what she can do. So why is she rich, famous, and powerful? While I'm still stuck here singing Christmas songs for all of you. What does it take to be famous? 
I sure hope she's available for our Christmas party. Don, can you check on that? Maybe if we put our request in early. Nina Jankowitz, the uh, Biden appointee for the Disinformation Governance Board. She also um, has a weird thing. I don't know how to explain this, and you're going to be sorry you heard it. She kind of has a weird thing for Harry Potter. Listen to this. Went looking for some prefects in the bathroom one day. But instead I found Harry, and so I said, hey. I helped him solve the mystery of the A. And I'd like to solve the mystery between his legs. I hope that Harry drowns tomorrow in the lake. So that our honeymoon a weekend Oh, man. Being able to rhyme anatomies and STDs, you know? Art Garfunkel never did that, did he? So, uh, this is all real. This is from her own TikTok. I mean, this isn't like somebody dug this out of her past. She's proud of it. And this is somebody that the White House apparently vetted. Said, you know, we're going to put her up for this job. And uh, who knows what else we'll hear from her. I'm sure this is only just the beginning. A greatest hits album, maybe a boxed set. She is a boxed set. Thank God it's... During the negotiations, uh, one of the negotiators heard from the suspect that he wanted some cookies. And so in an effort to try to get him... Uh, to surrender, we went to the convenience store nearby and bought him some cookies. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think I saw that once on Dragnet. Or it might have been Mannix. All right, 650 on KTSA. Um, on the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, we asked you, are you in favor of the new government disinformation board. Now, someday you're probably going to have to say, oh, yes, I am. We all are. I support it more than anyone. But tonight, the answer was no. 100% said no to the government disinformation board. Oh, we'll look back fondly on these days, shooting our mouths off about the president. Having opinions about things. Those will be the good, these will be the golden years, right? All right. Um, have you ever had to call 911 but been embarrassed by the circumstances? Have you ever been in a situation that you really would have rather extricated yourself 
but you just couldn't. You had to get help. Slidell, Louisiana, a uh, 911 call said that he, a 911 caller said that he was a 78 year old man in, in the act of being attacked by a squirrel who was eating his hand. The squirrel was eating his hand. The man was choking the squirrel with his other hand. And choking the squirrel is not slang for something else. He was actually, yeah, he was choking the squirrel, but could not get the squirrel off his hand. When first responders arrived, according to WWL-TV, the man was still in the process of being eaten by the squirrel. With the help of first responders, the squirrel was killed. Moment of silence. And the man was hospitalized with hand injuries. Slide LPD says it's very rare for squirrels to attack people, but it's been known to happen. These are, you know, these are tense times. Probably squirrels are not themselves. I do kind of wonder if he was... If he had a, uh, a, you know, a crazed squirrel clamped onto one hand and he was um, choking it with the other hand, how did he call the police? Voice activated. Probably like, yeah. Probably one of those, you know, hey Google kinds of things. <laughs> I don't know. Something. I don't know. It was the second reported squirrel attack in Slidell this year. So it is a... Uh, it's a squirrel crime wave. It's a shame they had to kill the squirrel. You know who's going to be hardest hit by that? It's going to be Beto O'Rourke. Because he once nursed a blind squirrel back to being able to see again. And it seems to me he probably could have, you know, maybe done some counseling or, you know, rehabilitation with this squirrel, you know, kind of put him on a better path. It's a shame that they had to kill the squirrel, but I mean, they had the guy's hand. Man was losing his hand. How does the squirrel get on your hand in the first place? What kind of surprise attack is that? You know, you don't see the squirrel coming? Are they that quick? I don't know. I've never been able to get that close to a squirrel. Have you? They usually run the other way. What's going on in Louisiana that they're coming at you like that? So, be careful if you go to Louisiana. Keep your you go to Louisiana, keep your hands in your pockets or something, all right? Call the police to report he was choking the squirrel. <laughs> that might be a T-shirt, too. I got a lot of T-shirts. There might be a T-shirt in that for us as well. 210-599-5555. Um, one more thing here. Um the uh, Pope, Pope Francis, was um, speaking this week at the Vatican. You know, popes give talks about a lot of different things, different themes. Sometimes it ties in with the liturgical year. The Pope was speaking um, on Wednesday, urging Catholics to honor their mothers-in-law. He said that, um, and he seemed to be digressing. He went off of his prepared remarks and gave a lengthy um, talk 
about mothers-in-law. It says that mothers-in-laws, mother, mother-in-laws, mothers-in-law, mothers-in-law, I think it's mothers-in-law, plural, are often the victims of cliches. He told his general audience in St. Peter's Square not to see mother-in-law as the devil because the mother-in-law is the mother of your husband or your wife. We say to ourselves, the Pope said, the further away your mother-in-law is, the better. But no, he corrected them. She's a mother. So be kind to your mother-in-law. They gave birth to your spouse, he pointed out. Try to make them happy. And then he had advice for mothers-in-law. I mean, it's a two-way street, right? We've got to be nice to them. Well, what about, what about their responsibility? He said, mothers-in-law should be careful how they express themselves, curb the negativity toward their children and their children's parents. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I can think of is that, uh, that old Ernie K. Doe song, Mother-in-Law. Don't play that for the Pope. He won't like that at all. I guess you have to come up with, you know, he does a weekly audience. You have to come up with a theme, you know. This was his theme. So You want, kind of wonder what would have triggered this particular theme, right? What, what, got, him, what got him on the subject? Maybe because Mother's Day is coming up. You know that, right, by the way. Not this weekend, but next weekend, Mother's Day. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, if you didn't already know, be nice to your mother-in-law. Because without her, you would not have your spouse. But maybe that's maybe that's why we're not nice to them sometimes, right? I don't know. It's one of those things. Anyway. All right. Um, oh, one more thing here I want to mention before we go, and um, I send you off into a beautiful weekend. Monday on our show, and I, I think I alluded to this a couple of times, and it's also mentioned in the Jack's Books blog. If you like to read, I have a whole blog at KTSA.com, all about different books that I've read and that we mentioned on the show. Monday, we've got Lee Sweel, who you've seen on CNN and Fox as a legal analyst. Lee Sweel's written a terrific book about the Robert Hansen spy case, the most damaging spy in the entire history of the FBI. That book and her story joining us on Monday, on Monday's show. So, Another reason to come back from the weekend. You have to come back sooner or later. So come back and be with me Monday at 4. Have a great weekend.